Questions and Answers. Recently, the Barna Research Group conducted a massive study titled The Connected Generation Project. This study surveyed more than 15,000 respondents across 25 countries and nine languages. Their survey presented several reasons millennials and Generation Z are exiting the church. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat and Dr. Doug Potter as they discuss this issue and how we can turn the tide of this exodus from the church. In a post-Christian culture, in a post-truth culture now, as you stated, it's not often, it's not enough just to present the gospel and say, believe. Young people today need good, compelling reasons why they should take the Bible, 2,000-year-old book, why they should take it seriously. They need some compelling reasons. Yeah, they do. And and we should understand that apologetics needs to be something that is positive as well as defensive. We make a case uh, for Christianity and uh, we answer the objections that people have. And this is to something that the church should be concerned about doing with unbelievers. Certainly we should take the gospel first and the gospel goes first. But if someone objects to the gospel, then we need to answer their objection to the gospel, not just continue to give them the gospel, but to answer that objection or that roadblock, and that's what apologetics does, but it's also apologetics for the church. Those who are believers still can have questions that raise doubts, spiritual doubts, and other issues that they might have concerning Christianity. Those need to be answered by the church as well, and it's fundamentally the subject of apologetics that is going to provide these answers to both unbelievers as well as believers. Yes, you know, in that article we're talking about here in section on looking for answers, one of the things that they were struggling with is the problem of evil and suffering. How does God allow something like that? And the problem of injustice in the world. And so they're looking for, you know, an answer that requires not only biblical truth, but philosophical answers as well to the problem of God and evil. Yeah, that's one of the most uh, difficult issues and problems to address is the problem of evil and along with that, the problem of suffering. We need to recognize who God is, that he is perfect, that he is all loving and he is all good. Uh, he is love and he is goodness. Uh, that being such, that the issue of evil that is in the world really is a concomitant of the fall of humanity and a world that is under the curse that is, is taught to us with regards to Genesis. And we need to recognize also that there are demons in the world today that are the source of evil and difficulties that take place as well. And God has given us uh, ultimately that victory over evil through the death of Christ on the cross and through a relationship with him ultimately through God working in the world, he will bring about his plan, which will be the total defeat of evil, such that those who love God and those who have believed and trusted in him will live with him forever. Yes, you see, and, and there's a great opportunity to connect with this generation because, as you and I know, Doug, Christianity offers the best, most reasonable answer to the problem of evil and really the only message of any kind of hope in a world where that is filled with evil and suffering. 
Yeah, the people that, that you're talking about, these young people, they have a lot of questions, and we have very good answers, and we have got to get these answers into the hands of our leaders, church leaders, and others in the church that are involved in disciple-making. And another issue in that article there in the section looking for answers was the issue of science. They said science challenges their faith. They see Christianity as irrelevant to meet the challenge of science, and science offers the truth the answers and science conflicts with the things that they have learned in the Bible and therefore they'll often lean towards what they think is the answer found in science. So Christians have got to be able to address the science issue as well. Yeah, we really do. And we need to recognize that God, as Christians, we understand that God not only created the world, he sustains it in existence, but he also inspired his word. And so when we see conflicts, and there are conflicts between the scientist and the theologian or the biblical scholar today, they do have disagreements. They do have conflicts that go on. But we need to recognize that ultimately, because God created the world and he inspired his word, Ultimately, there are no conflicts. Everything is in harmony from the side of God in terms of what he created and what he inspired in his word. It has to be the case because God is perfect. God is complete goodness and he is complete truth. And he cannot produce something that is not good with regards to being finite. And since he made the world and he gave us his word, they have to be in agreement with each other. The conflict that exists is always with the interpreter of scripture or the scientist. That's where the conflict ultimately is and ultimately arises. And and granted, we need to study both of these, both approaches, in order to bring out a harmonization that ultimately is there. The conflict lies with our finite understanding, either in terms of studying the world through science or it's in terms of investigating his word. And that's where the conflict is. It's not an ultimate conflict that exists. Right. We need to show young people that really Christianity and science are not in conflict. In fact, it's the Christian worldview that gave birth to the modern sciences. The founders of the modern sciences had a strong belief in God. Many were serious Christians. And it's the Christian worldview that also allowed the modern sciences to flourish. And they were allies for hundreds of years. It's not just until recent times that they've been portrayed to be enemies, but Science and Christianity have been allies for centuries and they complement one another if you are prepared, you know, in apologetics and the Christian worldview. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, I completely agree. Yes. Now, Doug, another part is that, you know, the church is about teaching the Bible. And there are a lot of churches that go verse by verse through the Bible. And yet they are not addressing, according to this article, the questions that young people are answering. So how can Bible teaching be done specifically to help the church answer the questions these young people are asking. I think that you kind of hit it right on the head with regards to going through the Bible verse by verse. I think that's the best thing to do, the best approach. In the seminary world I'm in, we call that expository preaching, and I think that this is something that unfortunately a lot of churches are getting away from. They're getting more towards the rhetoric, getting more into entertainment, getting more into dealing with topics and issues that make people feel good, that make people aspire 
require uh, to be good, and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. But when it's done apart from Scripture, when we are not uh, teaching what the Scripture says, what the Scripture means, and how this is to be applied to our life, churches that are getting away from that, and I think that this study kind of shows that perhaps, broadly speaking, a lot of churches are getting away from an expository approach, uh, teaching through the Scriptures, as you stated, verse by verse. That may be the problem that the church is facing, is they are getting away from expository teaching. Yes, you know, and one of the things pastors need to be able to do is not just stand up there and exposit the Bible, but, you know, as John Stott said, you know, between two worlds, connect the principles of Scripture to the modern world today. Yes. That's a fine art that needs to be learned. I think uh, Dallas Seminary, uh, Southern Talbot, uh, Trinity, I think the schools that do train uh, preachers in good expository preaching do a good job of that. Unfortunately, not enough preachers get that kind of training. Yeah, and not only that, I think that some kind of abandon it, unfortunately, when they get out into ministry and they come across and they think that, oh, my church doesn't like that approach and they don't need that approach and and I'll just uh, deal with issues and topics. And that's too bad that that may happen, but they really need to, to get back to teaching it in an expository sense and get back to instructing their congregation and also to do discipleship in terms of explaining uh, the word to those whom they are discipling and and applying it, as you say, to their life, and applying it to the sense of living life out today. Yeah, you know, a lot of the pastors, and and I sympathize with them, I was in their shoes for uh, nearly a dozen years, they feel a lot of pressure that the church has to grow, and they need the numbers there to have a, quote, successful church. And so, yeah, like you said, a lot of them may abandon expository preaching to attract new people and keep them in the pews. But one of the things we encourage is that pastors remain faithful to teaching God's Word, no matter if your church grows or if it doesn't, to be faithful to the message God has called us to, to preach His truth and to preach it faithfully, uncompromisingly, elder boards and deacons as well, not to be driven by the, quote, standards of success of the culture, bodies, buildings, and budgets. Yeah, and Paul encourages us as believers to do just that. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, he talks about apostasy in there, which is, the apostasy just means walking away from something, walking away from sound teaching, walking away from the Christian faith. And in the context of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he's talking about walking away from sound teaching, from good doctrinal teaching. And his correction that he gives to Timothy for that is a correction that we need today to implement in the church. He reminds Timothy of his youth and reminds him of how he was raised on the Word of God and that he was taught from his youth and to adhere to that. And in a sense, applying this to the church today, we need to make sure that we are intentional with regards to our youth, starting discipleship and training and education in the Word of God uh, very early on is extremely important. And he also then appeals to the power of God, where he says there in verse 16, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and And this scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That is expository teaching and preaching and discipleship that Paul is referencing there with with regards to the scripture. The fourth truth here is theology. Now, what in theology there can help the church? 
Well, theology is actually taking what we know to be true outside of the Bible from the world, whether it's philosophical truth or historical truth or other areas of truth as well, even in the area of science, and integrating that with biblical truth. And that's where we get a theology, and that's where we get the highest expression. A systematic theology is so important because it answers the most questions. Apologetics and philosophy may answer questions about those subjects, but systematic theology gives us really the view of everything in which we can stand uh, in this subject area and just answer everything and take from whatever subject we need and any question that comes along. So if questions aren't being answered for these groups of people, this age group in the church, it may be because of lack of systematic theology being integrated by the leaders and the teachers into the church environment. It's here where we look at the Bible comprehensively and say, what does the whole Bible say about angels? Or what does the whole Bible say about the topic of salvation or the end times, and are we doing this in a method that is in agreement with truth we know outside of the scriptures, regardless of the subject that we find it in? And so it's here that we can answer very deep, difficult questions, and a lot of them, and we can pull from this subject to be able to do that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people think, oh, teaching theology in churches, doctrine in churches, boring. No, if you know theology and you know how to communicate, it's tremendously relevant for today. You know, for example, you know, I teach theology and we just finished a class on anthropology. What does it mean to be human? And you look at the transgender issue today. You look at the transhuman debate going on today. Near-death experiences, what's going on there? I mean, we're asking now, you know, the basic way, what does it mean to be human? What are the components that make someone human? When does a robot or AI become, quote, human? Well, that's theology right there. That's anthropology that we're talking about here. Yeah, and only theology is going to be able to pull from philosophical truth about the nature of a human being and what makes us that and and what makes us a, a good human being as opposed to a bad human being in terms of ethics. That's all pulling from philosophy and combining that with us being in the image of God brings up the issue of not only the scriptural text in Genesis, but brings up the theology that we are created in the image of God and we bear his image and have importance and significance because of that. That's the integration that I'm talking about, where we are able to address philosophical issues for tackling those very difficult ethical issues and problems that you bring up and combining that with scriptural truth as well. Yes. And so another discussion we had big here in Hawaii, of course, the environment, you know, the environmental issues here, global warming, the extinction of species, the rights of animals, all these kinds of things that are being discussed. And that, you know, environmentalism, you know, that is deep theological issue as well. And the Bible has a lot to say about our relationship with God's created earth around us. That would be where you would want to pull from good science, the truth about science, and again, combine and connect that with what you say the Bible uh, gives us about the environment and man's role in the environment and dealing with uh, these very difficult questions. And I'm sure they are concerned to many people. And Christianity has good answers to those types of questions, those types of issues, and can integrate that truth and give these uh, individuals answers uh, with regards to these concerns they have. And boy, you know, you may not be able to get young people into a Bible study on the Psalms or the Gospel of Mark. Maybe you can. But man, you sit down with them at Starbucks and say, hey, you want to talk about the environment? You want to talk about the 
environmental issue what's going on today you want to talk about transhumanism when a robot can be considered quote human oh man you get a discussion going you get the these young people gathered around a table and it's an exciting discussion to have when it all comes together as you said philosophy apologetics bible and theology the young people see just how relevant christianity is and how it answers and addresses the issues that they are facing today yeah, and the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter twenty twenty seven, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul even recognized that there was going to be truth that was outside the Bible, outside of Scripture, that needed to be integrated into Scripture in order to bring to them all of God's revelation to us. General revelation, which we refer to the world that he created, and special revelation, which refers to the Scriptures that he inspired. Last leg, Doug, here is event. Evangelism. Why is evangelism so key for the church? Evangelism is the mission that Christ gave to the church in, in his great commission to go out and, as you say, not only to make converts, but also to make disciples. And here I'm talking about putting evangelism out front in terms of making it a central focus of the church. And I know a lot of churches do, but in this integrative environment, we need to recognize that many people from many environments, uh, from many backgrounds, many countries, and many belief systems have come to faith to Christianity and give these people an an opportunity to express the truth of their conversion and to express that truth. And we do need to be careful here, too, because when people give testimonies or they talk about their background and they talk about their conversion, that's not a test for truth, but it is an expression of truth. And we need to take time and take the opportunity to hear these expressions of truth, to hear these people's testimonies with regards to their conversion to Christianity. And I'm talking about, it doesn't matter whether they were raised in the church or that they converted from some other religion. There was always a time when someone moved from non-belief or or not having belief to believing uh, in Christianity. And that's what our focus, I think, needs to be on in terms of recognizing this testimony exists among all believers and paying some attention to it. This is where it all comes together, where our philosophy, apologetics, Bible training, theology comes together in engaging lost world for Christ. And that is vital also to the health of a church. I notice that churches that are engaging the lost world for Christ, uh, they're much more healthier. There's a lot less infighting between them and other Christians because they understand where the battle is at. It's not inside the church where to engage the lost world for Christ. And so when they're on the forefront like that, engaging the lost world, there's a lot less infighting that they're doing. We need to have confidence uh, among our leaders and among the people in the churches that as the gospel goes out, it will accomplish the will of God. Wherever that gospel goes, people will hear it. People will be converted. And we need, of course, be prepared to do an apologetic if and when it is needed. But God's will will be accomplished through the gospel as it goes into the world. And we need to have that confidence. And it's great to hear of churches that are doing it. I know many churches do it, and, and we need to emphasize it as well. Yeah, you know, I was uh, in a church uh, the other day and, I, you know, they said I needed to address issues of, you know, the King James only 6,000 year old universe, how you baptize, sprinkle, dunking, you know, all these kinds of issues that uh, believers have, you know, regarding doctrine. And it was pretty heated battle going on within the church over there amongst, you know, the members, people in that denomination. 
And when I sat down with the Legion, I said, why, why are you guys uh, fighting over these things? I mean, these are great discussions, but it's not worth splitting over and getting so heated about. And uh, I asked them, are you reaching a loss for Christ? How many unbelievers have come to Christ or what kind of outreach do you have regularly engaging unbelievers and the room went silent you know and i realized they were you know because they weren't reaching the lost and engaging the lost a lot of their focus turned internally among the differences they had and and they're just battling each other and spending all their energy battling each other whereas i you know when i'm in churches that are engaging lost people for christ in the lost world i mean they understand those are secondary issues you know the real battle is out there and we need to focus our energy on engaging that lost world for christ and these differences yeah they're minor we'll discuss it we'll have great discussion about it but at the end of the day you know we hold hands together and we engage that lost world for christ so it's tremendously valuable for the health of the church to be doing you know evangelism yeah, I, I recall what Dr. Geyser would emphasize uh, in, in essentials, unity, and in non-essentials, we need to have liberty. And, and you're right, evangelism is an essential, and our focus needs to be on things like that and the doctrines associated with supporting evangelism and the teaching associated with emphasizing evangelism in the context of the church. Well, Doug, you know, as we you know bring the show to a close, I mean, we talked a lot about a lot of things, and some Christians and Christian leaders are sitting out there going, oh, my gosh, philosophy, apologetics, Bible, theology, oh, where do we start? Uh, what advice can you give them, Doug? You know, there's a lot of help out there. There's a lot of good ministries. There's a, there's a lot of good uh, schools out there. Uh, you know, your ministry, Evidence and Answers, as well as the Southern Evangelical Seminary. You know, you don't have to come on campus to take our classes. You can take them uh, through distance education. We offer classes online as well as live streaming. You can take classes for credit and just earn a short certificate. You can also do classes for audit where you don't have to do the work for the class. But, you know, our, our school and, and ministries are there to help people. People. We're there to educate and to train you to be able to go into the church and to take these principles that we've talked about here and implement them. And so those are some really good places to turn. You know, there's also some really good books out there. Our mentor, Dr. Norman Geiser, has written a tremendous amount of wealth of books on all of these areas, literally all of these areas that we have talked about. He has at least written a book, if not more, on, and we can certainly turn people to, to his works as well. And there's a lot of other really good apologists out there doing the work today as well. Yes, Doug, you've written uh, several articles uh, with Dr. Geisler and other articles that you've authored, as well as other great scholars and apologists. Uh, where can they go to read articles from you and Dr. Geisler? Yeah, well, a lot of my articles you can see on ses.edu. Um, if you go there, the blog uh, has a lot of them. A list of them can be found on ses.edu on the faculty page. If you look at my uh, my CV that's on there, you can see them, and they're posted around the internet, and so they're they're easily accessible. Most of them are free as well. You know, one book that I'll mention that Dr. Geiser and I did that really does integrate a lot of this together is the Popular Survey of, of Bible Doctrine, and that's a really good lay level book that will just engage you in terms of, of integrating these subjects that we've talked about uh, into emphasizing uh, a lot of the essentials of the Christian faith, a lot of the doctrines that need to be taught, and answer a lot of questions along the way. And that's a really good lay-level book. If someone wants to kind of go above that, then I would recommend his Systematic Theology, which is a little bit more academic, that is easily accessible, the Norman L. Geiser Systematic Theology that is out there. And I think those are some, some good places to start that really integrate a lot of what we're talking about. 
Doug, you know, there are no shortcuts to be an effective tool in the hands of Christ. It takes discipline. It takes hard work. But the better equipped you are, the sharper your sword is, you know, the more effective you're going to be for the kingdom of God and the rewards you will reap out there as you are engaging a lost world for Christ will be tremendous. You'll see it as you go through the tough work of preparing to become that effective tool for Christ. Absolutely. And it needs to be done, uh, that work that you're talking about, it needs to be done with love and it needs to be done with truth. There's just no other way to do it. You can't do one uh, without the other. They must be integrated. Fantastic. You've been listening to our interview with Doug Potter. He is the registrar there at Southern Evangelical Seminary, one of the finest schools there to prepare you in the proclamation and the defense of the gospel of Christ. That's Southern Evangelical Seminary there in North Carolina. If you apply or you're looking for information, most likely you'll be talking with Doug Potter at Southern Evangelical. And we've been talking about the exodus from the church, how statistics are showing there's a tremendous exodus of young people from the church and helping to turn that tide in the right direction is Doug Potter and the whole staff there at Southern Evangelical. So, Doug, thanks for your work there at Southern, and thanks for being with us here on Evidence and Answers. for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call. That number locally is 4830586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you our listeners for the opportunity to donate head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran. Oh, 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 oh,